Welcome to the Bible Breakdown. It's a black man and woman in America who no longer identify as believers. This show contains adult languages, themes, and isn't meant for children. As black people, we respect the history of the black church in America, but its current state is massively abusive and we think the Bible might be part of the problem. Listen and let us know what you think. Peace. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown. This is Kat. This is T. Hey, T. Hello, Kat. How are you? Very tired. You know what? I am so grateful for your work ethic, being able to come here. It's so easy to give up, but you don't. So, yeah. appreciate you. Yeah, well, you know, as Bob Marley said, the, pe- the evils of the world don't rest, so why should I? Exactly. And speaking of evils of the world, we're reading the Bible, uh, the New Revised Standard Version. Um, we finished up uh, the book of Joshua last week. Um, lots of murders and conquest of lands, um, uh, land dispersed, you know, sp- you know, dispersing the spoils of those wars. And now um, we're we're getting into Judges. Judges won today. Yes, we are. It's always exciting when we get to start a new book. I hope this one has more of a narrative. I feel like there. I feel like Judges had some like juice. Did it? Are a lot of people being judged in this? I feel like if I'm remembering correctly about the history of like Israel and Judah or Judea, they like had a period of like jet where they were ruled by judges before they started having a king. Cause they were like, Hey, we want to be like all the other countries and have a king. And like Samuel was like, you guys don't know what you're getting into. That's basically just asking for a pimp. And then they're like, okay, fine. We'll give you what you want. It was always so weird to me. Like everyone was able to negotiate everything. It's like, why is God such a pushover? I mean, is God such a pushover? It just seems like whenever there's something going on Moses or Josh was able to be like hey the Lord the people are saying this this and this so oh I mean also they're kind of just making it up yeah exactly that's that's the real point Mm -hmm. so yeah do you um have anything you want to add um no no um last I was just gonna say last time we uh we used chat GPT to kind of modernize the text after we read it. I thought that was pretty. I strongly agree. I will continue that because a lot of times I'll read this and, um, you know, I can essentially, I mean, I can follow, but you know, it's just, it's easier when it's in more modern, um, English. For- Agreed. Agreed. It, it's kind of cool. Just use chat GPT. It's a fun tool. Absolutely. And I, I think once, I am able to interpret the information in a way that is easier for me to understand. It helps me give um, stronger um, just analysis and points. So, yeah, that is all I got going in today. Um, Do you have any news for people or anything you want to share? Well, just for me, I have a unique perspective on life because I am a middle-aged black woman living in the Midwest and I'm not a churchgoer. I'm not a believer. I don't believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and the leader of my life. And so most of the women who are in, like my peers do, and they're usually married to men that are trying to sleep with me. So um, it's just, it's this is the one place where I can like be completely honest. Like this is like my safe space. And to me, it's always just so weird and also just funny in a way too, because these are all the people who are telling me that I'm not living right. And just because I know it's best not to insert myself into people's marriages, I don't say anything, but yeah, uh, an uncomfortable amount of married men uh, hit on me and and it feels like it's always like the super Christy guys yeah uh, I don't know I just think that most people are hypocritical just what I've gotten in my own experiences and I'm trying to be better about not being like that myself um, so also have we had any examples of like traditional marriage so far where there's just one man and one woman 
Yeah, I know. I know a few people. No, I'm talking about in the Bible so far. Oh, um, no, not that I can recall. And we're how many books in? Uh, we are currently one, two, three, four, five, six, seven books in. Seven books in, and no examples of this quote-unquote biblical marriage we're always hearing about. Yeah. Maybe, hmm. yeah, no, nothing. Um, which, you know, from a guy's perspective, that's okay with me. But, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's funny because you talk about, you know, this infidelity and men living like that. And I recently had a conversation with um, just somebody that I've been seeing and, you know, we just kind of been very clear with each other. Like, and she was just like, Hey, let you, just to let you know, I'm going, um, probably going to be going on a date with somebody the next couple of days. Cause we're not, you know, exclusive. I was like, Oh, thanks for letting me know. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, and I was just like, you know, just want you to, you know, have fun or whatever. And she was like, oh, okay. Like, you're not jealous, like, at all or anything like that? Uh, and I was like, funny you should ask. Actually, I am jealous. Um, but I understand that it's not fair of me to ask people that I'm dating to only be for me when I'm not only being for them. And also, it was, it's, you know, it's, how, it's very weird to admit to somebody, like, you know, actually, I am jealous. And, like, I would prefer even to go even deeper, I was like, yeah, you know, in my mind, it would be great if everybody that I dated was just all about me. But, you know, like, I mean, that would be perfect for me, but I understand, like, that's just. That's not life. So do you, do you think you'd ever get to a point where you could feel compersion for your partner? I feel that for, um, yes, I feel that for several people, or at least try to, like, you know, again, I, I, Examples that I get all the time where people are always talking about like, well, for some reason there is this narrative that to believe that jealousy only can exist when you're in non-monogamous relationships. And I don't find that to be true. I think I would argue that it's even more prevalent in monogamous relationships and it's just more suppressed. It's just more suppressed because the expectation is that we're supposed to be together only for each other. We're supposed to meet every, each other's needs and all that. And so I try to feel compersion for people that I'm dating. Like, uh, I just like the honesty and like them telling me, or if I ask something, them being honest with me and like us being able to have a discussion about it. Cause I've also learned about my, you have to be honest with yourself first. I think a lot of people struggle with that. Like admit, I know I did for the longest time, like admitting to myself, like what I want. Cause I'm like, what you're told societally is that if you want to be a good woman, you just take care of one man. And so if you're exactly like, and so if, like you said, if you step outside of those norms, it's like, well, am I a bad person? And I don't think I am like, but you, a lot of times if we pursue what we mentioned this book earlier, pleasure activism and just about how, especially for black people because it's a black-led podcast you're welcome um for us just seeking our own validation and pleasure for the love of ourselves is an act of revolution like our we were bred to be a asset for other people and now that that's no longer the case like finding that purpose and because um, I, I also feel like a lot of this drive to be monogamous is an attempt at white assimilation. Really? I do. Because... Oh, and oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I do stand corrected. Uh, you asked me, were there any examples of monogamous relationships? Adam and Eve was a monogamous relationship, the very first relationship. There you go. But you could also make the argument because they took out the story of Lilith, who was Adam's first wife. Chad GPT is also telling me Isaac and Rebecca. Isaac and Rebecca. They were married and had a monogamous relationship. Okay. So, and additionally, Boaz and Ruth, which I don't think we've gotten Um, to that. I feel like just because they didn't mention his other wives, I feel like there was a subtext that 
Ruth was an additional wife. You know, I also feel like that was the case as well, but. Also because they didn't make it. You have to realize in these societies, like we're, we're familiar with the concept of bar mitzvahs now, but it was very real. Like you were a man at 13, you were expected to take a wife. So a lot of times in these societies and we still see it now, like it wasn't. And and even if it was, he still had the right to sleep with a bunch of other people. The way that this stuff works is that men quietly get to cheat and women had. I don't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> there you go. No. Um, yeah. I mean, it's. Look, we can. I've heard men make very real justifications about, oh, why a woman shouldn't do this or that. And uh, I'm just trying to be better because I've learned also about myself that one of the things I don't like when dating in particularly more exclusive relationships is I don't like that feeling that I get with jealousy and with this trying to be possessive of somebody. It actually makes me feel very just. Um, I don't know. It, it makes me feel out of control of my own emotions. Um, and so now I'm choosing to anticipate that, you know, whoever I'm dating may have other partners or people that they see or enjoy or whatever, too. And what I've found to be actually more comforting for myself is them just not treating me like when I'm with them, they don't treat me any differently. Like it doesn't seem like it's a chore for them to be with me or a you know, some like just something they're checking off a box, like genu like being around people who are genuinely enthusiastic and happy to be around me, regardless of how many people they are seeing is something I've come to find really comfortable. And I think is actually more important than my own experiences. Strong agree. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, also shout out to, uh, all the Oscar winners. Um, this will, be coming out by the time oh well i mean that was a few days ago so i'm sure a lot of you've all seen and shout out to chris rock i rewatched this special i stand by it it's top notch still haven't watched it yet i will be watching that within the next week though so um i had canceled my netflix and all that recently but i think i'm gonna get it back so i'll watch it and i think i may have a different opinion of chris rock afterward i don't know like I said, he was corny. I still stand by. I do think he's pretty corny, but he's a comedian, and I also think that he coined the phrase "friend zone." I think he should get an award for that. Okay. He doesn't get credit for it. Everybody uses that term, and no one like he's the one who coined it. I I didn't say he wasn't talented or brilliant. I think he is. He's just a corny, talented. But but this is the thing I I think often I struggle with, and I think a lot of people, if we actually had a conversation, struggle with, is the fact that we are all multifaceted, and you can be corny and still famous and rich. You can be cool as fuck and still broke, poor. You can be a, a you know a composite of any of those things, and so. I just I think when we we put famous people too much on a pedestal, like there are a few famous people that I feel like I like. And then when I see their interviews or like I like their content, whatever they could be acting or music or whatever. And then when I see their interviews or hear them talk, I'm just like the person that you appear to be does not match up to what I. Maybe how you sound in your music or whatever it might be. And maybe part of that's my own fault for you know, putting them in a place where I thought they were above my, what I thought, what I deemed to be, you know, ridiculousness, but it is what it is. I mean, and I think that's where we kind of have come to with society. You know, a lot of people have, I mean, we talk about cancel culture a lot on here. Like a lot of people cannot separate the art from the artist. And so I'm learning also to just become better with that um, because I do think, and I've argued this even particularly with the Bible to just tie it back into that, that I think no matter what, you can still learn from something, even if you don't agree with the messenger. I think there are still pieces that, and nuggets you can pull out. Um, 
and just and I think that's important because we have to be able to filter and pull out what is useful for us in life versus like always trying to you know just go by somebody telling us what to do sure yeah blind authority I'm I'm not with it but anyway we all know why you came for the bible reading for the passage so we'll get into judges one uh israel's failures to complete the conquest of canaan it's funny how it's not the lord's failure (laughs) after the death of joshua the israelites inquired of the lord who shall go up first for us against the canaanites to fight against them the lord said judah shall go up i hereby give the land into his hand judah said to his brother simeon come up with me into the territory allotted to me that we may fight against the canaanites then i will go then I, too, will go with you to the ter- into the territory allotted to you. So Simeon went in, went with him. Then Judah went up, and the Lord gave the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they defeated 10,000 of them at Bezek. They came upon Adani Bezek at Bezek and fought against him and defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Adani Bezek fled, but they pursued him, caught him, and cut off his thumbs and big toes. Adani Bezek, 70 kings... Donnie Bezek said, 70 kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to pick up scraps under my table, as I have done. So God has paid me back. <laughs> they brought him to Jerusalem and he died there. Then the people of Judah fought against Jerusalem and took it. They put it to the sword and set the city on fire. Afterward, the people of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who lived in their hill country, in the Negev and in the lowland. Judah went against the Canaanites who lived in Hebron. The name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba. And they defeated Shishai and Ahimin Talmai. From there, they went against the inhabitants of Debir. The name of Debir was formerly Kiriath Sepher. Then Caleb said, whoever attacks Kiriath Sepher and takes it, I will give him my daughter. Aksa as wife and Othniel son of Kenaz Caleb's younger brother took it and he fought against his daughter uh, and he gave his uh, let me read that again and Othniel son of Kesna Caleb's younger brother took it and he gave him his daughter Aksa as his wife when she came to him she urged him to ask her father for a field as he as she dismounted from her donkey Caleb said to her what do you wish she said to him give me a present since you have sent me in the land of Negeb give me also Guloth Mayim so Caleb gave her upper Guloth and lower Guloth the descendants of Hobab the Kenite uh, Moses's father-in-law went up with the people of Judah from the city of uh, Palms into the wilderness of Judah, which lies into Negev near Arad. Then they went and settled with the Amalekites. Amalekites, thank you. Judah went with his brother Simeon, and they defeated the Canaanites who inhabited Zephath and, de- and devoted it to destruction. So the city was called Hormoth. Judah took Gaza with his territory. Ashkelon with its territory and Ekron with its territory. The Lord was with the with the, the Lord was with Judah. He took possession of the hill country, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had chariots of iron. Hebron was given to Caleb, as Moses had said, and he drove out from it from the three sons of Anak. But the Benjaminites did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in, in Jerusalem. So. Um, hold on, my computer's having some issues. Oh, jeez. Uh, shoot, where was I at? Um, but the Benjaminites did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites have lived in Jerusalem among the Benjaminites to this day. The house of Joseph went up against Bethel and the Lord Jesus. <sighs> the house of Joseph 
also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. The house of Joseph sent out spies to Bethel. The name of the city was formerly Luz. Uh, when the spies saw a man coming out of the city, they said to him, Show us the way into the city, and we will deal kindly with you. So he showed them the way into the city, and they put the city to the sword. But they let the man and his family go. So the man went to the land of the Hittites and built a city and called it Luz. That is the name. That is its name to this day. Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Sheen and its villages, of Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, and the inhabitants of Ibelim and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages. But the Canaanites continued to live in that land. When Israel grew strong, they put out the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not, in fact, drive them out. And Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer, but the Canaanites lived among them in Gezer. Zebulon did not drive out the inhabitants of Kitron or the inhabitants of Nahalo, Nahalo, Nahalo? Um, but the Canaanites lived among them and became subject to forced labor. Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Akol or the inhabitants of Sinan or of Alab or of Axib or of Helba or of Afik, Afik or of Rahab. But the Asherites lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land for them, for they did not drive them out. Niptali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh or the inhabitants of Beth Anah, but lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, uh, Shemesh, Beth Shemesh or and of Beth Anath became subject to forced labor for them. The Amorites pressed uh, the Danites back into the hill country. They did not allow them to come down to the plain. The Amorites live. The Amorites continued to live in Har Haris, in Ajalon, and in uh, Shalbi Shalbim. But the hand of the house of Joseph rested heavily on them, and they became subject to forced labor. The border of the Amorites ran from the ascent of Akrabimi. Ak- Brit Akbim from Salah and upward. Ooh, thanks be to God. That was a lot. Yes, it was. Man, oh man. So it wasn't much of a story. This is mostly still just the same like land takeover and distribution, except some of them killed everybody and some of them just forced them into slavery. Yes. That is I mean that's what I got from it. It's pretty much what happened. Um, I will tell you what I got from it when my computer decides to work. <laughs> okay. When chat GPT decides to get into it. Yeah. Cause um, yeah. So Josh was dead. Uh, the Israelites are like, Hey, so, so that's the other thing too. So who's telling the, so the Lord's just speaking to the Israelites directly. When did that start happening? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he just, you know, maybe it's a one-time thing. He's pretty unpredictable, the Lord. Um. Oh man, that thing about cutting off the thumbs and toes was harsh. Yeah, that was payback for <laughs> the, all the bullshit that that guy did. I mean, that's some cold-blooded. That's some barbaric shit right there. Um. And he's just like, you know what? I had it coming. I used to do this to people back in the day, so I'm cool with this. Yeah, I mean. I'm, you know, that's how it goes. Gang. I would hate to not have my thumbs and my big toes. I feel like I'd be very uh, unstable walking, and it would be hard to pick stuff up. You know, you I use re- my thumbs a lot. You realize a lot of how much use you put into everything that you that is with your body when you no longer can use it. Yeah, my body is my doing stuff machine. <laughs> um, for all those out there though who did not um follow that along i mean i got lost mostly because i was trying to pronounce everything you did a Um, great job by the way thank you um the text is from the book uh the text from the book of judges in the bible uh it tells the story of the israelites after the death of joshua the israelites asked the lords who should fight against the canaanites first and the lord told them that judah should go up judah fought against the canaanites and defeated them the israelites continued to fight against the canaanites and they conquered some of their cities but not all the jebusites continued to live in jerusalem among the benjamite benjaminites the people of israel 
Israel forced the Canaanites into labor, but did not drive them out of the land entirely. Um, and then the text just goes on to mention some of the names, places, people involved in this battles. Um, so that's pretty much the gist. One of the things I found very interesting, actually, from this entire session was the fact that, uh, yeah, Caleb's brother married his daughter. It was pretty fucking weird. No, he was offering her as like an incentive. He was, but his brother is the one who took up the the offer. Oh, ick. Yeah, that's, I mean, I can reread. But I mean, the Bible likes that because that means she stayed within the same tribe. <sighs> so you don't so have to share the wealth with Yeah, but now tribe. she has to fuck her uncle, and that's pretty fucking gross. It's just Game of Thrones, man. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything? And, I mean, and also it's just fun, too, because she doesn't really get a say in it. No one's ever like, as long as she gets, it feels like that's a pattern. Like, women are like, okay, you can give me away, but if you give me away, I get a field. I was going to say, she got she got to get some stuff out of it. I gotta say, I mean, this is gonna be a hot take. I mean, if you're gonna get raped, you might as well get something for it. So, I mean, that's better than getting raped and getting nothing for it. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna read the next one. That's not a great lesson. <laughs> it's like, hey, if you're gonna get raped, get compensated. Okay, so were you, did you have anything? No, I don't have anything for that. I mean, that was pretty much just, again, uh, I mean, real estate deals, so. And light rape. It's not like full-on rape. Just coercive rape. She might have been happy. I mean, she didn't have a choice. Are people usually happy when they don't have a choice? I mean, she made the best of it. She brought the suggestion to the table of getting the land. Yeah, I mean, Judges 2, Israel's disobedience. <laughs> now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilga to Bochum and said, I brought you up from Egypt and I brought you into the land that I had promised to your ancestors. I said, I will never break my covenant with you for your part. Do not make a covenant with the inhabitants of this land tear down their altars but you have not obeyed my command see what you have done so now I say I will not drive them out before you but they shall become your adversaries to you and their God shall be a snare to you when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the Israelites the people lifted up their voices and wept so they named that place Bochim and there they sacrificed to the Lord death of Joshua thought we already did this but whatever when Joshua dismissed the people, the Israelites all went to their own inheritance to make, take possession of the land. The people worshipped the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. So they buried him with the bounds of his inheritance in Tim Math Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Moreover, that whole generation was gathered to their ancestors and another generation grew up after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Israel's unfaithfulness. Then the Israelites did Then the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and worshiped the balls and <laughs> And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples whom were all around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and worshipped Baal and the Astarches. And so the Lord, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he gave them over to the plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the power of their enemies all around so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them to bring misfortune as the Lord had warned them and had sworn to them. And they were in great distress. 
Then the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the power of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen even to their judges, for they lusted after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their ancestors had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord. They did not follow their example. Wherever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he delivered them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord would be moved by the pity by their groaning because of those who prosecuted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they would relapse and behave worse than their ancestors, following other gods, worshiping them, and bowing down to them. They would not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he said, Because this people have transgressed my covenant, that I have commanded their ancestors, and have not obeyed my voice, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died, in order to test Israel whether or not they would take care to walk in the way of the Lord as their ancestors did. The Lord had left those nations, not driving them out at once, and not, and had not handed them over to Joshua. Ooh, thanks thanks to God. Yeah, um... I don't know, man. I don't know why Joshua had to die again. Well, you know, they're just reminding those people who didn't know. Um, <laughs> and there was an angel in this one. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I mean. <laughs> That's kind of cool. <laughs> Have we had to talk about what angels look like? I mean, I think we did earlier. A couple times. Usually it's just a dude in a robe. With wings and a halo. Sometimes they have wings. Like there's different like strata of angels. Yeah, like tears. This one just sounds like it was kind of yelling at people. They didn't give up visuals. I mean, but most people would probably, is the word anthropomorphize them? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, tr- well, I mean, they are not really just, they already kind of have a human shape anyway. So I feel like really... the description of angels is because there's like cherubim and seraphim and then there's like the archangels and all kind of stuff. And I feel like this might have been an archangel job because he's just like giving news or whatever. Kind of like same like Gabriel and Michael, like they would just like. Um. Well, I was trying to Google. Oh, OK. Here I found a picture of. And you are correct on that. Found a picture of Bible accurate angels, and so the seraphim is uh, pretty much just an eye with wings around it. Cool. The cherubim it looks like a person with also a lion, a eagle, and a cow um, on their shoulders. Also, wings around them. Um. There are, uh, this looks like a shield. This angel is called the thrones. So I don't know. There's a dominions. That one pretty much just looks like kind of what we normally see a person with a fucking wings on their back. They have a staff, the power, same thing. Uh, But they have a halo, a large halo. Um, The virtues is same person in a, some garb wings on their back. Um, looks like they have more of a crown. Um, the principalities angel uh, is same garb, large wings. Um, archangels, sword, wings, looking like a person. Uh, they kind of have that halo that's more like a uh, sombrero. Um, <laughs> that kind of look. And then so we just have do regular. You, do you believe in angels? <sighs> no. Okay. I remember angels were big when I was growing up. Like you'd always call on God's angels to like protect you, especially when you're traveling. Um, and I guess whenever something bad happens to you, your angel is on a smoke break. Yeah, I just I try to contact Mary. Oh, Jesus' mom? Yeah. 
Oh, to see what she's like if she can do a protection spell for you. Yeah, I mean, just what better way to get somebody to do something than go through their mom? Sure, sure. I used to always love that about the Hail Mary prayer. To me, that was always just so the line, um, Hail Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now in the hour of our day. Because it's like the Mother of God. Wow, that sounds powerful. <laughs> God needed a mom. Um, translation for Judges 2 is the angel of the Lord reminds the people of Israel of their covenant with God and warns them not to make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land they were about to possess. Why would he do that? Mostly because, you know, if you go there and learn some shit, the, he doesn't want you learning that you could probably not uh, be under his spell anymore. But anyway, despite this warning, the people disobey and turn away from God, serving other gods and provoking the Lord's anger. Shocker. The Lord raises up judges to save the people from their enemies, but they continue to be unfaithful to God and follow their own ways. As a result, the Lord stops driving out the nations before them and allows them to be tested in their faithfulness to him. So it's funny that we brought up like the unfaithfulness of like a lot of the men who um, like married Christian men. Mm-hmm. And because I mean, we find out a lot with pastors. I mean, that's like a trope, you know, the pastor's fucking everybody right and the deacon and everything like that so it's nice that there's like this sort of framework right in the bible where it's like okay so i already know you're going to be unfaithful so here's a new covenant because you guys keep being unfaithful so you keep to get doing this cycle of fucking up and then coming back and fucking up and coming back yeah um but again as long as you are trying and you pray for forgiveness you're pretty much going to heaven I had to do some time in purgatory, but, you know, that's par for the course. Yeah, I never found this to be uh, a coherent moral doctrine. Because, like, according to this doctrine, Hitler's in heaven. You said according to this doctrine, what? Hitler is in heaven. Oh. he's Christian. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you can... I never like the idea of like you can live this terrible life and just as long as at the end you're like, oh, my bad, like I believe in you, Jesus, then you don't have to suffer eternal damnation, even though there might have been someone who lived a really good life and just had never even heard about it. So how are they supposed to know? This feels like a little, I don't know. I don't like it. (laughs) And when you bring that up in school, you get hit well i never got hit oh i went to school and you could get hit <laughs> i went to a school at a time where you could get hit but i never got it okay cool i'm glad yeah so yeah i don't know surprisingly i never got hit um and i remember specifically actually i got in trouble and i went to it's because you're so attractive they're like oh we can't mess up the money maker um well you don't hit kids in their face okay i mean like yeah. anytime you spank a kid like i was always taught you know, like not in the kids face get hit in the face you get slapped okay um or in my case you know you get punched by your mom but um, that's what i'm saying i feel like a lot of kids do get hit in the face yeah but i mean but more try not so to take that personally <laughs> you said try not to take it personally i said it's hard not to take that personally uh i mean I, it damaged my relationship with my mom for a long time. Like, it's just don't hit your kids, man. I mean, I don't know what to say. Like, don't like that's not fair to them, and it's not a good. It's not a long term solution. I'm not gonna say it doesn't work, but long term, it's not a good solution for. <laughs> I don't think it does, and all it does modifying is behavior regurgitate this mentality that it's okay to hit people when they do something you don't like but and it also normalizes abuse in your romantic relationships yeah i never thought about it like that but yes um and one of my biggest changers was because i always heard about white people not hitting it like whooping their kids and you know growing up i was just thought that's white people shit and i met a black man who was just like, I've never with my kids. Another thing I brought the story on. And I feel like I know a lot of white kids who got whooped. Um, 
You're just like, yeah, I don't hit my kids, man. And I was just like, what? I was just so shocked by that. I know. I bet there's like so many white people or people we consider white who are like so irritated with that stereotype because it's like, man, I was getting my ass beat up and down the house. I don't know where that rumor got started that white people don't beat their kids because a lot of them do. True. Um, Especially because it is recommended in the Bible. So like the more religious you are, the more likely you are to beat your kids. Like, it was really sad. Like, I talk about that documentary, The Way Down, about that woman with the insane hair in Texas who had a weight loss cult. And she was a biblical literalist. So she was a strong believer of, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. And there was a black couple in her congregation who ended up killing their kid. They beat him to death. And, um, like, you know, had to go to jail, for, you know, like they were. And so, yeah, that got her in the news some more because they were like, yeah, that was part of her recommendation. They seemed kind of and it was super sad, too, because they seemed kind of slow. Damn. And, you know, like, I mean, we talk about like how here in the United States, a lot of the laws are seemingly integrated with church, even though it says in our fucking constitution to separate church it's the first amendment even before the gun one okay first amendment it the first amendment is the establishment clause which is the separation of church and state stuff it doesn't say all right i said constitution i stand corrected but um regardless thankfully when somebody kills somebody here we still recognize like yeah fuck all that church shit you're going to jail no refuge cities for you buddy (laughs) thank you thank you thank you that is what is needed don't murder people and don't beat your kids you got to talk to them a lot you don't have kids unless you like repeating yourself i mean talk to them but also like take shit away the fastest like kevin hart has a joke about uh when he took his phone's son, he's like, please took don't. his son's phone. Yeah. Please don't do it like that, daddy. Like, like that. that is that is the way to reach the youth now. You have to take their shit away. And, and I'll just say, too, when I was growing up, I got weapons, too. Not a lot, but, um, and I mean, I forgive my parents for that. They were doing the best they could, and they never even whipped me out of anger. Like, it was always just very, they would calm down, and it would just be very, it was so militaristic and stuff like that. Yeah, I got whooped out of anger. You got whooped out of anger. See, that's a whole... And it affected my life going forward because I had moments where I was also an abuser to people. So um, that's tough. It it takes a lot to overcome that because not only was I abusive to partners, but I've also... If my partners had kids, like I'm operating off the logic that I thought was right. So I thought it was okay to whoop their children. And luckily, like for lack of failing with these people, um, luckily I still have really good relationships with them. Like, and I've been able to be reformed and learn the error of my ways. And, but like, you know, that doesn't happen for everybody, um, which is sad because, I spent a lot of my teens and early adulthood and mid adulthood just feeling like this is what you're supposed to do. And that is not the case at all. Um, It's not. I made me really like it's really it takes a lot of bravery to say that. So I'm ready for that because same thing like. I never um, with my daughter, but my son a couple times would use corporal punishment and it, eventually you just have to say you know what this doesn't feel right and I've apologized to him and it never really got I would just use like a wooden spoon or something like that but still it's like it doesn't take all that like it's yeah. and it doesn't it, it does send the message that violence is an appropriate response sometimes and it's not so um, yeah um, so sorry Bible we disagree with you on that one absolutely um and I don't know. I think also just as the older you get to, I think for me, you just kind of mellow out. Like I have a four year old that I am close with now. And I just couldn't imagine like whooping her. And she does shit like that is. Oh, they try you. <laughs> she does shit. That's like, 
you know, kind of annoying or whatever, but it gives us get this kids do things they're not supposed to do. But I have to realize like I'm the adult. And it's funny because the people are just speaking about um now when I come around and like, you know, my ex, she has like this four year old. I'm the chill one. Like where is, you know, in I wasn't that way. So like I'm the one who's like, Yeah, don't spank her. Like, don't do that. Don't do this. Like, um, so it's just like a complete one eighty because I just, you know, like she's a kid. Like she doesn't know what the fuck like she I mean, the kids are smart, but she doesn't really understand the entirety of what she's doing. I feel like fostering an environment of trust and safety is way more important than dominance because this idea of, I oh my God, I remember <laughs> oh, so many, like we're talking about this reminds me of so many songs that I learned in children's church that are just like insane now that I think about it. But there, I'm, I'm, I hope everybody's ready for a song break. Here we go. I wrote a little song about it. Like, here, here we go. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Living your life by the Lord's command, doing it naturally. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. And then it was, I can't remember the rest, but then it was like, now spell it O B E D I E N C E. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. And I was like, <laughs> that shit's in there. I'm going to be singing that shit in the nursing home. <laughs> First of all, it's impressive that you remember all these songs. I Once it, when I tell you every only, if, repetition and when my young song, foamy, my, my prefrontal corn, cortex was still mush. The only song that I remember, which is still a banger, is uh, Our God is an Awesome God. He that is a banger. Me. That is the That's, Christian back that ass up. That is a fucking banger. I love that song. I Our love God. that song. But, and then they be punching it right yeah, there. Like, it's awesome. Cause it's got awesome right in there. Yeah, yeah that, that's a great <laughs> song. Like. That's a great American <laughs> Christian song. <laughs> but yeah, Here, people get them hands in the air; they be going. That that yeah, one. But okay, so which is better, that or Melodies from Heaven? How does that go? I don't. That's the only one. That's Kurt Franklin. Take me in your arms and hold me close. Oh, I don't. Rain down. Oh, that was dope too. Rain down yeah, that one's dope on too. me. Feel me. That and Stomp. With huh? That and Stomp. Uh, I like melodies better than Stomp. Stomp's cool. I don't know. Kirk Franklin, man, shout out to him. Cause that was some good music. He made some bangers. Like he can, can I say that was the best part of church? Praise and worship. I know you didn't necessarily no, didn't, like your praise and worship. I don't I, for my church, praise and worship was a weekly concert we got to go to. I would say it was free, but it actually cost 10% of our gross income. <laughs> I, I just think I have to be in the mood. Like, in and too early in my life, I just w was not in the mood and I was forced to go. And it's like, get to the fucking point. Like, we're spending all this time dancing and singing and all these extra theatrics. But it's like, the point is to get the motivational speech. Give me that part. You probably didn't need the stress relief because you were a child. For a lot of people, a lot of the adults in the building, this is their only stress relief. Because let's take for someone like um, a lot of the adults in my life, um, like my mom, she didn't drink. She didn't smoke. She didn't even cuss. Like she really didn't have any outlet other than church. Like that was the only place she ever really felt free. So it creates this. I, I kind of understand for people like they don't want to let it go. This is their only safe space. My grandma's like that now. Yeah. Bless her. Because yeah. one of the best grandma in the world. Um, But, you know, every time, like a lot of the times we talk lately, she's been like, you know, you got to get right with God. And she's been going to church on Sundays now a lot more. And I don't know if it's just because she's getting older. She's 75 years old. Um, but it's just that it's been that, and it's just like, look, 
I've made my peace with the which is weird to say because I'll be in moments where I'll be like, you know, you tomorrow is not promised and it's like um <laughs> you have this I don't know. I don't even want to say like the thought like if you're wrong or whatever, but it's just like I guess for me when I first started shifting away from Christianity there was this little part of me that was like man um it's like this fear of it's just different just fear of like you're kind of out here by yourself now (laughs) you know so I I don't know that's just something I think about often actually every now and then because it's still there still ingrained as much as you want to get away the whole thing is you have to get to people while they're still young. This stuff won't make sense when you get older. Just like the same reason, like we don't, we're not attracted to other religions. Like when other religions are explained to us, it's like, okay. <laughs> like when you hear about Scientology or. I'm attracted to the nation of Islam. I think if I wasn't, if I was still like heavily, if I was going to choose, I probably wouldn't went with that. Now, you know, I used to like go to the nation, like the NOI. Like when. But your experience would have been different. Why? Because you're a woman. Mine is my experience probably would have been all right. I'm light skinned, so I pro- I probably would have been like a, on some Malcolm X shit. Yeah, yeah you could have rose up through the ranks very quickly. That's true. That's true. Like for me, it was a lot of the same problems in the Bible come up in the Quran, um, <laughs> for sure. Um, and I know how to talk to people. Man, I would have fucking been amazing. Um, what I will say about Nation of Islam, I really appreciate, though, they have fantastic prison outreach, which is super important. And um, the idea of getting out of the thumb of white supremacy and white dependence and doing for self, I always really enjoyed that. That's another thing. Like I, But I don't like the anti-Semitism. Um, um, and I don't like the anti-womanism. <laughs> like, yeah. That's why I can't get on board with them totally. It's like it's too much of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't follow them a lot. I mean, I got... I just refuse to align myself with any organization that's like, hey, no chicks. There are chicks, though. You just have to be no, submissive. No, not. You can be... No. And you can't let's be get, in a, let's, let's, a let's, position no of true, power. Yeah, you can't have... Exactly, no chicks in power, basically. But there's two chicks. Yeah, like, I'm not going to be a part of an organization just like you wouldn't be a part of an organization that was like, well... We promote everyone except men, and it's like, why? And it's like you just think see that's hard worse. to say to to me though because it's like that stuff doesn't exist. Not because of that. It's just like if I'm in an organization, like if I went to go work for I don't know. I see what you're saying because it, but it also to me like if I went into an organization like I don't know Me Too or something, like to me it's weird to. Me too isn't an organization. Like that's it's like a hashtag. Like it's an organization. Somebody reached out to the who's who's in charge of me too. I don't know who's in charge of it. My friend just told me who's was sexually assaulted. That she reached out to me too. I don't know what it is. I don't. It's not an organization the way the Nation of Islam is an organization. Absolutely not. The point I was making though is like to me to be. I don't know if I. It feels weird for a man to be the ascendant of or the top tier of any woman lit like specific organization i'm not even talking about that like i'm just saying any organization that straight up says we don't let these kind of people be in charge so whether it's like we don't let gay people be in charge or we don't let trans people be in charge or we don't let agreed to what's that i don't even know why i'm Necessarily argue. I agree. I know, right? It's weird. Let's read this last chapter <laughs> so that we can stop talking about the okay. Bible. Um, Judges three. Now these are the nations that the Lord left to test Israel by them. That is all is all in Israel who had not experienced all the wars in Canaan. It was only in the order that the generations of the people of Israel might know war, to teach war to those who had not known it before. These are the nations, the five lords of Philistines and the Canaanites. I'm sorry. Are you on the NRSV? Shit, no, I'm not. New Revised Standard Version, y'all. It's what we're supposed to be reading. Yeah. I fucked it up this week. I'm sorry. I was noticing something. I don't know how I got on ESV. 
it can happen. Man, I'm usually on this. I know, right? Listen. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that. What the it's hell? It's weird happened. too, cause I'm a little drunk. <laughs> I still got that. Great, great. Yeah, newer, <laughs> newer bystander version. Judges, uh, three nations remaining in the land. Now these are the nations that the Lord left to test all those in Israel who had no experience of any war in Canaan. It was only the successive generations of Israelites might know war to teach those who had no experience of it before. The five lords of the Philistines and the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites who lived on the Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Herman as far as Lebo Hamath they were for they were for the testing of Israel to know whether Israel would obey the commandments of the Lord which he commanded the ancestors by Moses so the Israelites lived among the Canaanites the Hittites the Amorites and the the Perizzites the Hivites and the Jebusites and they took their daughters as wives for themselves and their daughter and their own daughter they gave to their sons and they worship their gods. Othiniel. The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, forgetting the Lord their God and worshiping the Baals and the Asherahs. Therefore the Lord therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he sold them into the hand of King Kushan Rishathaim of Aram Narahaim. And the Israelites served Kushan Rishathaim eight years. But when the Israelites cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up to raise up a, a deliverer for the Israelites who delivered them. Othenio, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, the spirit of the Lord came upon them. and He judged Israel. He went out to war and the Lord gave King Kushan Rishathaim of Aram into his hand. And his hand prevailed over Kushan Rishathaim. So the land had rest 40 years. The Othenio son of, then Othenio son of Kenaz died. Ehud, the Israelites uh, again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened the king Eglon of Moab against Israel because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. In alliance with the Ammonites and the Amalekites, he went and defeated Israel and they took possession of the city of Palms. So the Israelites served King Eglon of Moab 18 years. But when the Israelites cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up for for, for them a deliverer. Ehud, son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man, the Israelites sent tribute by him to King Eglon of Moab. Ehud made for himself a sword with two edges, a cubit in length, and he fastened it on his right thigh under his clothes. Then he presented the tribute to King Eglon of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. When Ehud had finished presenting the tribute, he sent the people who carried the tribute on their way. But he himself turned back at the sculpted stones near Gilga and said I have a secret message for you O king so the king said silence and all his attendees went out from his presence Ehud came to him while he was sitting alone in his cool roof chamber and said I have a message from God for you so he rose from his seat then Ehud reached with his left hand took the sword from his right thigh and thrust it into Eglon's belly Eglon's belly the hilt also went uh, in after the blade and the fat closed over the handle for he did not draw the sword out of his belly and the dirt came out uh, then he had went out into the vestibule and closed the doors of the roof chamber on him and locked them and he had gone uh, the servants came after he had gone the servants came um, when they saw that the doors of the chamber were locked they thought he must be relieving himself in the cool chamber so they waited until they were embarrassed when he still did not open the doors of the roof chamber they took the key and opened them there was the lord dying on the floor or lying dead on the floor uh ehud escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the sculpted stones and escaped to sarah 
when he arrived, he sounded the trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went down with uh, him from the hill country, having him at their head. He said to them, Falling after me, the Lord, for the Lord has given your enemies the Moabites into your hand. So they went down after him and seized the fords of the Jordan against the Moabites and or Moabites and allowed no one to cross over it. At that time, they killed about 10,000 of the Moabites, all strong, able-bodied men. No one escaped. So Moab, so Moab, or Moab, I don't, I don't know how I've been saying this, was subdued the day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest eight years. Shemgar. After him came Shemgar, son of Anath, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goad. He too delivered Israel. Thanks be to God. It's a little bit of body shaming in this uh, biblical story. There was body shaming, but there was also, you know, like a cool hitman scene. There was. We finally got some action in this piece. You know, I can kind of see some stuff happening. Um, and this is, I think this is the first time. Have they mentioned anyone like obese in the Bible yet? I feel like this is the no, first. That was pretty. Because I'm like, that's kind of a standout because it feels like there was never everyone's complaining about there's not enough food to eat so it looks like uh ehud had the hookup he did he did uh translation for those who may not have been able to follow um the text describes how the lord left nations in canaan canaan to test israel and teach them war the people of israel lived among these nations and intermarried with them serving their gods the israelites did evil in the sight of the lord and were sold into the land into the hand of their enemies when they cried out to the lord he raised up deliveries for them uh othniel defeated kushan Rishthaim, giving the land rest for 40 years ehud killed eglon the king of moab and the moabites were defeated by the israelites giving the land rest for eight year 80 years um shamgar also saved israel by killing 600 philistines with the nox goat um interesting because this all comes back down to just who owns what i mean pretty much this isn't especially spiritual to me but i i'm something of a heathen yeah i mean again though i mean we've said this before that most most pastors would say you know we're not really going off the old testament i've heard particularly like um when i was playing basketball um on thursday mornings at the place those guys are all churchgoers and not once did we do an old testament verse so there's that if you had to guess, do you think any of them are cheating on their wives? No. But also, all of them are white. Except two. Include, not including me. So, actually, no. I don't think, um, and one of them is not married. So, one of the black guys is not married. Um, but everybody who there who's married, I don't think is cheating on their wife, no. Hmm. Cool. So that, and that's like, you know, 20 guys, at least. So there, twenty out of eight million. Well, I guess I don't know the ratio of women to men, two to one on the planet. So, um, it's eight billion people. Whatever that math is. What do you think the Bible means when it said the Israelite the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Because if killing people and taking their stuff isn't evil, like what's evil to the Lord? Do you think? not worshiping him i mean it was mentioned at the beginning of that like yeah they that he don't fuck with that kill people cool rape them even yeah do not take up false gods and i kind of feel like not keeping the commandments also means like they're not bringing the levite stuff yeah. Because, I mean, just like now, like if I'd grown up with a story about how like, hey, we have to kill a cow every couple weeks because I, you know, had a nocturnally mission. So we have to take this cow over to the local Levite and your son who's had like ample calories his whole life might be like, hey, dad, I think the Levites are running a scam on you there. And you'd be like, no. God's going to let the Amalekite, whoever the lights kill us, if we don't kill the cow. 
Yeah, but it's hard to. I mean, my father is Jesus. You know, that's that. He's he's a big church goer. Every time I talk to him, actually, he said, you know, he always says, "Keep God first, son," and that's just what it is. And like, I have to accept that. Uh, and he always talk about his testament, like he, everything he went through um in his life and he was like the moment he felt like he turned his life over to god that's when his life got better and i heard that from several people actually um my life got better when i stopped going to church you never hear that one as much uh, but people don't go to church and say that (laughs) yeah i don't know my life is pretty good um pretty good pretty Uh, pretty yeah yeah. Um, next time on Bible Breakdown, we're going to be doing Judges 4, 5, and 6. Uh, we'll be discussing Deborah and Barack. Um, what a name. Um, not spelled the cool way, though. Um, the song of Deborah. So, so I remember her being a famous judge. Like, she's one of the few women in the Bible who get a plot line. Oh, okay. Um, and then the Midianite oppression. So, a lot of, I don't know, hopefully we'll see where it goes. I, yeah, I, I hope this is an indication that we're going to get, like, some good stories here. So, we have, like, Cartman, who, you know, kind of got his dagger stuck in his fat. That was kind of fun. Not for him, but. I mean, it was kind of fun to read about. It was a little, like, ah. Uh, I mean, it was some cool, I think, just visually some sequences that I thought would like that. And then the king who got his thumbs and toes cut off, like, it's kind of a, you know, a, a karma. That was, yeah, was that? some stuff in, like, they're all, they're usually, not usually, but sometimes things happen. I'm like, oh, I can visually see that. And it seems like it would be a very intriguing scene. So, yeah. I feel like this is the final level of like a really difficult video game and I can't seem to beat this boss level which is I feel like for black Americans in America we've been oppressed so much and I think the most effective tool they used on us was Christianity and like we keep seeing all these patterns continue to repeat and i think we will as long as we keep worshiping the god they gave us fair but i mean no let's leave it there that was completely fair thank you so much listeners for tuning in for another exquisite episode of the bible breakdown yeah see you next time bible breakdown podcast at gmail.com peace